Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. We're going to talk a little bit about trends in PR today. And on today's show, I have Mitch Leff of Leff and Associates and Frank Finello of UHY uh, Advisors. And so I would love it if we would start a little bit by you guys telling us a little bit about your businesses and your practices and then some trends in your in your industry. Mitch, you want to take that one? Sure, sure. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Well, Leff and Associates is a what we call a independent public relations agency. We have been in business for about 14 years here in Atlanta. My background is big agencies, Conan Wolf, uh, Burson Marsteller, uh, Edelman, and spent about three years working, uh, running PR for one of the divisions over at CNN before I started my own company. And we specialize in public relations, media relations, media training, and crisis communications. So that's us in a nutshell. And then we have two kind of little side revenue businesses that we do. One is uh, called Left's Atlanta Media, which is a database of uh, on all the media in Atlanta that we subscribe to and offer subscriptions to to other companies around town. And then another service that we started a couple years later called Mitch's Media Match, which is a kind of a service that matches rep- local reporters up with local sources for stories. So that's that's a that's the 32nd Left and Associates. All right. Frank? Great. Frank Pinello with UHY Advisors. Our firm, we're a top 20 tax and business consulting firm. My focus area is on management consulting, and we run that practice here out of Atlanta. And we really have five primary service lines that we offer. One, we do the business process improvement. We do internal audit, accounting automation. We have a practice as resource solutions, and we do project and program management. Great. And so, Mitch, I would love to hear about your trends in, in PR that you think are really important for other CEOs to know about. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so we work with a range of companies. Some are as small as uh, nonprofits, small nonprofits, up to mid-sized to mid-large kinds of companies. Uh, but what, what we're seeing over the last couple of years, and a lot of this is driven by technology, is the ability to create your own content and be much more targeted and focused with the audiences you're going after. You know, as a, as a CEO, as a company, you're always trying to market your services to potential customers. And the same with PR. You know, I, I, whenever I sit down with a client, one of the first questions is, why, why do you want to do PR? What's your goal? And if I get that kind of glazed look like no one's ever asked me that before, then I kind of take it back a couple of steps and say, okay, let's, let's start this conversation from a different spot. Because uh, you say with selling peanut butter, you need to know who you're selling it to. Are you selling it to kids? Are you selling it to adults? Are you selling it to uh, retirees? Who are you selling your peanut butter to? Uh, so the opportunity now with technology, and I, I tell companies this a lot, is to create your own content. You know, for decades or for a hundred years, pe- public relations people have relied on what they will be called traditional media outlets, where you're going through newspapers or radio or television to get the message to the audiences that you want to reach. But now there's an opportunity to create <clears throat> to create blogs, to create websites, to create infographics, to create your own content that you can send directly to the audiences that you want to reach. Uh, Delta recently announced that they were creating some of their own internal content so they could do exactly that, which is a little bit new for them. Uh, and some companies have been doing this for a long time, but for a lot of companies, this 
it's something that takes them a little getting used to because they're used to the traditional model of PR where a PR person comes in and says, I'm going to get you in the paper. They're not used to them coming in and saying, we're going to create our own content and we're going to take it to where we want it to go. So as a CEO, that's the, that's the mind, that's the space you want your mind to be thinking not just about traditional PR, but how to create your own content. And, and that's something that Frank and I have been talking about a bit more this year is the ability to create our own content and focus it, not just to go broadly. Because that's, that's the other thing. I, I've had clients that said, come in and said, I don't need to talk to the readers of, for example, the daily newspaper. They don't buy my product. The only people that buy my product are, a prime example, a client who said, All, the only people I sell to are insurance industry executives, people who work for insurance companies. I don't care about the end user, they don't buy my product. My company, my, my product is a supplementary insurance product. So the only place I need to be is for insurance industry trade publications. That's all I care about. So, so we created a, a plan and a program that really targeted those. And then we expanded it and said, well, that's fine. You can do that. But the, uh, there are other ways to reach those people. So a question for you. To me, one of the things that it's starting to get a little bit confusing is how it seems like all marketing is kind of converging, right? So is there really a difference between what you're describing and social media when pe where people are creating their own content and proliferating their own content? To me, that sounds more like what we, we would call, people would call social media, but you're, you know, is it, how is that different? Or how is, is that PR? Or, you know, is the, does the distinction even matter at this point? Yeah, you know, social media is kind of an interesting catch-all that people use, and I I sometimes shake my head a little bit when someone says they're a, said, I, I want to help you with your marketing because I'm a social media expert. But they don't have the marketing background to understand how to really create a, a, a focused marketing plan. Social media is a tool, it's a tactic to achieve what you want to achieve with marketing. It's not marketing in and of itself. It's, it's one channel or several channels and that those channels are constantly changing. Isn't the same true of PR, though, as well? Absolutely. It's, it's got to be constantly changing. And that's one of the things that Frank and I have talked about this year is, uh, you know, we, we've been working there for several years and have created a good awareness in the marketplace of what UHY is. But now there's an opportunity to hone in, to be very specific, and to look at certain types of content production that can reach specific targets and specific potential clients much more directly. So we're not wasting, I don't say wasting, but we're not using a lot of our time and efforts and, and Frank's budget to reach people who, who are not going to be people who will make a decision about buying his services. So just to ask another rookie question, what in your mind is PR in today's world with all this technology? Well, PR is what it always was. PR, public relations, it's, and it's kind of under the marketing mix, but I define PR as what my old mentor, Harold Burson, told me is PR is a way to influence people. And that influence means you want them to make a decision, buy a product, buy a service, change a behavior. That's what public relations is. And it, it might sound a little bit crass sometimes, but if you're selling a product, you want people to buy your product. And the same way that you target your advertising, you want to target your public relations. If your PR doesn't have that that end goal, that call to action, then you're wasting your money. You want to always be thinking, okay, is this tactic going to reach my objectives? And your objective isn't to get yourself in the paper. 
right? Some people look at that as the end result. Oh, well, great, I got myself in the paper. That's not the, that's not the objective. The objective is to get someone who's reading that to look at that and say, I want to know more about these people. I want to buy their product. And, I, and I, you know, Frank and I have talked about marketing as, as not being a, a one-touch uh, process. You have to touch people multiple times. And sometimes it's touching them multiple times in the same way through bylines or trade publications or blogs. But I think as busy as people are right now and all the channels where they get information, you need to touch them in different ways. So they need to hear about your company, your client on the radio, in a trade publication. They need to see you at a conference. They need to read your blog. They need to see an infographic. And that creates an overall understanding of what the, client, what the company is. So, so Mitch, are you finding then that it, people are having to spend more money to, to cover all, all those channels than, than they did in the traditional media? No, or? no not, not at all. Not at all. The, the budgets, budgets are good. And they're, and they're getting better. You know, Frank and I were talking earlier about how great business used to be growing in this quarter. And I, you know, I'm, we had, I had a crazy busy day yesterday trying to keep up with five different projects that I've got going on right now. So it's, it's working smarter. You know, it's funny because Frank talks about working smarter and being more efficient in his business, but working smarter in PR, not just saying, okay, every client needs to be in the neighbor newspapers. Because not every client needs to be. You know, and social media is a great example. Not every client needs to be on Facebook. You know, it doesn't cost anything. And yeah, you can create a Facebook page for every client. But when you look at how to focus your efforts, look at what achieves results. Great example. I'm working with a client this week, a tech company called Cardlytics. And they're doing an iron coder competition on Saturday. And it's for college students. And, you know, you have... You do coding for three hours and you win cash and the winner gets a job interview with the company too. So, but we, you know, we're dealing with college students. So in, in marketing this and trying to get people signed up, we looked at, from a college student mentality, how are they going to hear about this? And Facebook was not the first thing, that is the last thing that came to mind, right? So we're using Twitter, we're using Reddit, we're using their uh, uh, college websites and college newspapers, thinking about as a college student, how are you going to hear about these things? And we're and the, the our client is able to track the responses. And I we had this conversation uh, earlier in the week. I said, "Where are you? You've got it. They've got a great response." I said, "Where are they coming from?" And she said, "They're coming from Twitter and they're coming from Reddit." So, and, and that's and that's the other piece of this. You need to be responsive with your with your PR plan. And I tell CEOs this. You can't just put together a plan and say, this is our plan for the next five years. Because the environment's going to change, your business model, your business is going to change, you're going to grow. You have to be able to look at what you're doing and adapt to it. And if it doesn't work, then you change it. If it's working, you figure out why it's working and do it better. Right? And as the company grows and changes, you look and see, okay, do we need to change our tactics? Do you need to add tactics? How often do do you recommend that folks start to reevaluate their their PR plan? I think every year. Every year. I mean, Frank and I have a conversation, this kind of deep conversation, at least once a year. And then probably two or three times a year in between, we kind of look at it and say, is this doing what we want it to do? So, Frank, how, how are these trends affecting your business? Well, one, social media for me is... Um, 
something we, we handle very cautiously because when, when you're doing social media, you also can't control the message of everybody in your company. So we work really closely with Mitch to make sure that anything we put on social media is reflecting the message that we want our listeners or our audience to hear. So there's a lot of time invested in that. What are the messages? What are the forms? We're not uh, using uh, Twitter and those kind of forms very, very much because in our business, think how often a tweet can be misinterpreted by an end customer. And when you're talking about change and transforming an organization, if you say that tweet in the wrong way, it could mean that people are losing their jobs or that there's some other kind of major event coming. So we have to make sure that those messages are put into the positive, which they usually are. We're trying to find ways to get to what we call untapped human potential. So untapped human potential. Untapped human potential. Um, in an organization, if you have a knowledge worker who is spending their time transferring information from one system to another, when they could be adding value by using their education, their degree, their background, there's potential there that's not being utilized. So how do we get that message across to our clients that we can help them tap into those skills mm. and those organizations? So being very targeted in our messaging, um, one of the things that I'll talk to about PR, we don't do a lot of quote unquote marketing. So you're not gonna see a lot of print advertising, you're not gonna see a lot of radio advertising. You are gonna see a lot of knowledge content going out from our organization. And where I'm seeing the benefit of that today, five years ago, UHY in the Atlanta market had no brand. Today, we can walk into most major com companies and they will know who UHY is. And again, that's all been through our PR efforts mm -hmm. and our sales, internal sales and marketing efforts. And so where are you finding are the best places for you to establish your thought leadership? Usually through articles, getting bylines, um, getting out thought leadership through those formats. And that's where we lean to Mitch to say, hey, what are the, these are the audience that we want to reach. What are the vehicles that we should get this information published through? And he'll do market research, identify where the readers are that'll be for that target audience, and then they'll go pitch that story to those channels. Mm -hmm. And so, Mitch, you know, that sounds to me like the kind of age-old playbook for PR, right? That doesn't sound like there's, you know, kind of any movement there, but how has technology changed that process? Sure, great, great question. So, I try. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we talked about this before almost. So, we, uh, you know, what we look at is ways to take that content and, and yet yeah, companies have done kind of these, these articles for, for years and years. There's a lot more places to put them now, you know, with websites and niche publications. You can find a publication for, for anything and everything, right? Uh, from business to, you know, radio to healthcare to, to education. So we look at ways to do that. The opportunity now is to not just place it in the magazine, but also look for other, other channels for it. So you write an article, for, for for example. So the the one we're writing now is called. Um, the kind of the we don't have a final <laughs> title, thanks, Mitch. But it's uh, we're, we're focusing yeah. on um, how best practices are not um, the way for organizations to go to change their organization. So, so best practices are not the are way not to the change. Way. Oh wow, that's right. counterintuitive. So yes. so but we but we can take that. So we'll take the article and we'll get it published either in a magazine, either a print magazine, traditional, or a website. But then we could also take that and do some blogging with it. The other thing we're looking at is going deep into LinkedIn because we think that's a, a really great target for, for UHY. So we can look for affinity groups. So we're going to individuals and groups that we think have a kind of a predilection for this kind of service and interest in this kind of service. So we're not going to people who are in 10 different groups or going to LinkedIn generally. Although we actually do that too. But we're going, we're going deep. 
So we're researching LinkedIn groups to say, here's a group that consists of people who are likely to either purchase UHY services or refer, because referrals are very important too. You know, you want to think about who's that person two steps away that's going to hear about UHY and, and say to their friend, hey, you guys do this kind of thing. You should talk to UHY. So referrals are huge. Um, and you know, we talked earlier about uh, kind of the, the sales cycle. You know, if you're buying a Chick-fil-A breakfast biscuit in the morning, your decision process of what I want for breakfast is about 10 seconds long, right? Cause when Mitch said earlier, guys, people who weren't on oh, the were the, yeah, that was yeah. off air. But Sorry. go ahead. Sorry. You're right. It was earlier for uh, us. Not it was earlier for us. Sorry. Uh, but for a, a, a company like UHY, the decision process is a bit, is a bit longer. It's not, you're not spending a dollar. You're spending a little bit more than a dollar. And you may have another, or another company that you're already working with. So it could take Well, I'm months, sure Frank or, is, is more, much more than just a dollar, like a dollar or a couple dollars. Like a dollar fifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is it, it's a longer-term decision process. So when you're selling, you need to work that into your sales cycle. You're thinking, how many of these widgets, you know, call, we'll call Frank's services widgets, how many of these widgets do I need or want to sell in a quarter or a year or two years? And some of the targets might take two years to turn to be a client. And I, and I get that with, with PR, too. I have clients who have other agencies, and we have a conversation and say, you know, you're, you're offering me something that the other agency is not. You're offering me more, say, more personalized service than, than I'm getting from a, from a bigger agency. Uh, but you have to work that in. So, and I, you know, I, first, as a, we talked about, what does a CEO need to be thinking about? Uh, think about that sales cycle. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to add something. You know, we're talking a lot about the form, forms that we present this media in. But if, you, if you're thinking about terms from somebody running an organization or running a company, it is almost impossible today to be able to keep track of all the possible um, vehicles for us to be able to communicate that information. So whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. And so somehow we have to make that decision. Where do we want it good to go? And then we have to make the decision, what do we want that message on those forms to be? Right, and then how frequently, what are the points? And so even when we look at something like LinkedIn, if we're gonna publish an article and then we want that information communicated on LinkedIn, I just don't go to our employees and say, okay, great, put it out on LinkedIn, it'll be fine. We work with Mitch to make sure what is the message to make sure that every one of our employees is sending the same message with the same intention, maybe not the same words, but again, we wanna make sure that that message is resonating over and over and over again. And where I lean on somebody like Mitch and where it differentiates Mitch from other vendors or PR firms I've worked with is that I can turn to Mitch and say, own this for me. And Mitch will take the ball and run with it. And so I don't have to give it a second thought. And I know that if I look back in two weeks, all the press, all the communications, all the social media has been handled by both him and my internal team. And to me, that's where the value comes in. Because the world of opportunity is infinite. I could post it on 10,000 websites, but am I going to get the return and is the message going to be right? Mm -hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit. I would love to hear to talk more about this. Best practices are not the way. Uh, How much time do we got? (laughs) Well, no, this is is great. I think that that's that's very counterintuitive. So talk to us a little bit about about what you mean when you say that and how that leads eventually leads to companies being more efficient. More efficient. So, you know, I spend a lot of time in traditional consulting. And a lot of it's based on going out and looking at what other companies are doing in a similar industry, in a similar process, and saying, what are the benchmarks? How long should it take for us to do something? 
So if we look like an area like accounts payable, how much should a transaction cost per invoice? And then we go out and we survey them and then we come and look at your company. So your client ABC. And we go and look and we say, well, it's costing you $5 an invoice. But best practices and standards would say that you should be able to do that in $3 a transaction. So what you need to do is cut this, change this, and you'll be able to do it for $3. The problem is your organization culturally may not be able to absorb it. You may not have the technology to be able to do it. You may not have had the right training or people. But you actually, if you looked at what you are capable of and working right with your systems, your people, your technology, what if you could do it for $2? What if $3 was mediocre? But if that's our best and we try to hit three, we're not gonna hit it, we're gonna hit like four. So our organization, we come in and we look at what your organization is capable of doing at the front line. We use a methodology from Lean, um, and we, we take that, and there's this phrase that you go to the gimba. You go to where the work is happening. So you go sit with the people doing the job, and you find out where are the gaps in their processes, where are the places that they're wasting time. I don't care what the other company is doing, I wanna know what you're doing. And you know who has the best ideas about changing an organization? That person doing the job. Right. They know where the problems are. And you work with them to identify them, find ways to improve that process, and ultimately you end up with a much faster approach to take waste out of our process and to get more efficiencies, better product, better results. And we've proven it over and over again. So companies where in the past it might have taken me two years using a best practice model to change a Fortune 1000 company's accounts payable department, Today, we've been able to do it for companies in six to nine months with a fraction of the team. So that means our cost is lower, the return is better, and you end up with happier employees. Mm. And so what do you call that methodology? We call it enterprise optimization. Okay. And um, so just recap for us what the, the steps are as you go through your enter enterprise optimization. Actually, if I can, I'd like to kind of maybe give an example to... Yeah, I love examples are great. We so, love examples. Now I'm going to pick on an old 1950s TV show. So um, most people have seen I Love Lucy working in the candy factory. Is okay. that the one where she's stuffing the candy? She's stuffing the candy in her mouth, right. right? So she goes in for this job, and they say, okay, as the candy comes down this line, you need to take it off, wrap it, and if one piece of candy falls on the floor, you're fired. So the candy starts coming along the line, and Lucy and Ethel are taking it off. They're wrapping it, and they're looking at each other like, hey, this job, we can do this job. And all of a sudden, the line starts going faster and faster. And all of a sudden, they can't handle it. So what do they do? They start grabbing the chocolate. They pull it in front of them. They're stuffing it in their mouth. They're doing anything they can not to have it hit the floor. Then they have their supervisor coming. And what do they do? They're going to get fired if they find out that we didn't wrap the candy. So they take it. They stuff it in their clothes. They put it in their hat. They do anything they can. And by the time the supervisor comes in, the work area is clean, and they look like they've done a fantastic job. And what does the supervisor say? Speed it up. Right, and more work starts coming down the line. That's the way it is in corporate America. So if you look at the processes that people are managing, let's use accounts payable. People want to do a good job, and that's our fundamental assumption, that they want to do the best job they can. But as we've had to make cuts and changes in our world to be able to meet earning expectations or to keep our companies viable, we've asked people to do more with less. And oftentimes, they don't really know how to do the job in a way that's the most efficient or effective. So they keep the work going, they make shortcuts, they do things that later cause issues further down the line. Sort of like Lucy and Ethel. When they're making those mistakes, that means the group that is packaging the candy, that means that they're not getting their job done. So how do we fix it? We go to them and we say, how can we 
make sure that Lucy and Ethel are properly trained, they know the proper speed to be able to handle the candy come through the line, and we set them up for success. So corporate America is the same thing. We go sit with those people and watch them. And if I ask Lucy and Ethel to tell me what they did, they would describe that they take the candy off, they wrap, and they put it back on the line. You'd think they would tell me that when it gets busy, I stuff it in my shirt. <laughs> they wouldn't. And uh, Margaret Mead, a famous anthropologist, once said, what people say, what they do, and what they say they do are entirely different things. And most traditional consulting relies on what other companies have done and then making an assumption about how your company could do a better job. We want to go see what people do. And then from there, you can really start to make a difference and make a change. Mm -hmm. So if uh, one question that came to mind for me is if you wanted to apply that process to, let's say, PR, right, to making PR more efficient, because it seems to me like terribly wasteful, right? You send out all these press releases and call a whole bunch of people. Like, what, what are your thoughts on applying some of this thought process to PR? So the first thing you have to do in any process, you have to decide who the customer of the process is. Okay, and then you have to determine what would the customer be willing to pay for if given a choice. Okay, so in that example, if I'm the customer of this PR process, then would I be willing to pay for the time for Mitch to go to multiple outlets to determine the right process? And that all comes back to my potential return. So is the customer of the process the person who says yes to the article or the press release and publishes it? Or are you thinking of the customer of the process as the person who is receiving the media who you hope will buy your product? It's really a little bit of both. So you have two different customers. So one customer is those that are receiving it. Okay, so now the person receiving that message, they're paying for it too. Because if I'm having to pay Mitch a lot, I'm just going to show up on my fees. So the question is, are they willing to pay for how that information is being communicated? And then also, am I willing to pay if it's something that I can't pass along to a client? So that customer is both. And then we have to look through both lenses and say, which one of these makes the most sense? So I'm willing to pay, without passing along to my customer, for Mitch to take the time to identify the right um, venue for that information to be communicated. Now, if it took Mitch three months to determine that, I'd want to know why it's taking him so long. So I'm going to look for the person who can identify it as quickly as possible and be accurate as possible on the first pass. And that's where expertise, having the right partner, comes into play. Great. What about you, Mitch? Did you have any thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. I, I keep having this conversation with colleagues about the state of the PR industry, and we see, a, and this goes back to technology a little bit, technology is allowing a lot of PR people to send a lot of pitches, a lot of story ideas to a lot of reporters with very little effort. That's not necessarily always a good thing. What it means sometimes is a reporter gets 500 emails only one or two of which are really appropriate for them because it's so easy for the PR person to say, I'm going to send every pitch I got for every client to every reporter in my database. It's fast. It's easy for them to do. And maybe they catch some low-hanging fruit for it. So from the PR person's perspective, it seems like a very efficient way to do it, right? But what they're doing is alienating their, the reporters who they really want to target. So what we, what we do and what we encourage a lot of other PR people to do is be much more focused, customize your pitches, research the media outlet, research the reporter, make sure that every story you pitch is appropriate for that reporter. You mean go old school? Go old school. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly it. It's, it is a little bit, it, it, but it's, it's, sc it's scary because you, I, I, get, I get these things too from people trying to sell me things and they're totally off base. I worked at, at CNN, I mentioned I worked for, at CNN for a couple of years and 
because my when I went to trade shows, my badge said CNN. I was PR person for a division, but it, the badge said CNN. So a month before every trade show, I would start getting calls from every other vendor who's going to be at the show saying, "I want my can I can I have my CEO meet with you?" And I'd say, "Do you know what I do?" I said, "I I run PR for the educational division. I have a thirty minute educational program on CNN." Oh, okay. Uh, well, would you like to meet with my CEO? <laughs> so, well, why would I want to? Why would I want to meet with your CEO? Well, because I think he's got an interesting product for your show. Have you ever watched my show? No. Okay. Do you know where to find my show? No. Okay. My show airs at three thirty in the morning. Tape it and watch it. Well, three thirty in the morning. I, 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 how can I watch it? I said, Do you have a VCR? It's a long time ago, right? Do you have a VCR? <laughs> I said, Tape the show and watch it. Okay, I'll do that. So out of 30 calls like that, I got two one year, I distinctly remember, who actually called me back and said, I watched your show and I still think I can, I can have something of interest to you. And of those two, one was vaguely of interest, the other was still totally off, off the base. But my time was wasted by 50 phone calls and more phone calls and emails probably trying to get me to, to do interviews. So magnify that by someone who's actually a journalist, not just a PR person who happens to be mistaken for a journalist. And, and we've done surveys. Journalists get hundreds, if not thousands of emails a week from people pitching them stories. And they have to sort through it. And it's, 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 a, they can't, it's impossible. You can't do it. I, I, and I tell people you cannot build a media relationship just with email. Uh, you have to think about other ways to build that relationship. And if I ever write a book, it's going to be about building relationships with media. The book, is, the book is in my head somewhere. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I just wanted to comment to one thing. When we talk about old school versus you know, new technologies or new ways to approach things, the reality is, is anything we do, there are fundamentals. And so we don't want to ignore the fundamentals to be new. And so what Mitch, I hear Mitch talking about are the fundamental things that you have to do to be effective in PR. And as you do those things, you can add the new to it. So if he's going to pitch a story, he's going to make sure that the journalist understands the purpose, how the story fits for the journalist, making sure that he's creating value for the journalist's time, going back to kind of that, is it worth it? Does, are they willing to pay for it? Is the journalist willing to give consideration, meaning their time, to hear the story? And so if you don't have your fundamentals, there's no point in any of the formats. And so I think we lose that sometimes. Let's just go and, and team up. We'll, we'll mail it out to everybody and we'll see what hits. That doesn't create any value for the customer of that at that point, which is a journalist. So. Well, if you're looking at a direct mail model where you send out you know, 10,000 mailings and you get a 2% return, you know, that's a small percentage, but there's, it's a very low cost. But you know, as Frank was saying, you, the, there's, it's, it's, it's old school, but I think you look, if you're talking about trends, people are losing track of the fundamentals of this. The technology is so shiny and pretty, they think, I should use that. And everyone thinks I should be on social media. And maybe they should be. But not everyone should be everywhere in social media. The keys are still building the relationships. I mean, I could bring someone into my company and say, I want you to pitch these 20 reporters. But they haven't known these people for 20 years, 25 years like I have. So they're not, they don't have the relationship, so they're not going to be nearly as effective. So what I do when I bring somebody new in is I bring them with me when I visit, and I visit newsrooms and reporters on a regular basis. I go to meetings of the Public Relations Society and the Atlanta Press Club 
and marketing meetings and networking meetings. You've got to do those kinds of things. And what I what I see and what I hear from young people in particular is their bosses are not giving them the time and the resources to do these kinds of things. They're saying, I need you to do this and this and this and this and this, and I want you to do your job incredibly well, but no, I'm not going to give you time to go to a two-hour lunch where you can actually sit down with a reporter one-on-one or one-on-five and get to know them well so that you'll be so much more effective the next time you pick up the phone to call them. Because what I hear from reporters is if they know someone, if they have that relationship, then when they, the next time they get that email, that email says Leffen Associates, they're much more likely to open it up because they know that we've taken the time and effort to understand who they are, to craft a story pitch that makes sense for them, and it's not just spam. They know us, they've met us. So I bring my people to, to networking meetings, to lunches, I send them out, I give them the opportunity to do that. And if I, you know, one thing I would tell a CEO is give your people that time. It's not immediately productive. They're not gonna see a return on it that day or even that week or even that month. But over the course of the time that you're working with, that employee is working with the media, you're gonna see great results. Hmm. <laughs> one of the things that's of interest to me is how um, CEOs can incorporate this kind of work into a long-term strategy, which is you know my focus. And talk to me about whether or not you have conversations with your clients about how these kinds of PR strategies fit into their business plan. Sure. Well, I, and we have these conversations regularly with, with all of our clients once a year at least, if not more, about what their business objectives are for the year. Uh, you know, some companies, the objective is to sell products. I have a, another company that's a, a newer startup company, tech company. One of their objectives is, yes, their objective is to sell products and services, but they're also looking to hire people to, re, to attract and retain talented young workers. So that's a, that's a strong focus of what we're trying to do for them. And, that's not, it's not, and we don't do that for every company. Some companies, don't, they hire one or two people a year or three people a year, and they don't need us to really push that. But if you're a company that is, a, that is new in the industry or new in the marketplace, and you're competing against a lot of other companies that are similar, then you need to focus on that a little bit more. Uh, so, and that changes. You know, for a, for a company, for example, that's new in the market, that might be a, an important focus for the first year or two, but maybe not for year three or year five. So you always have to be talking and saying, okay, so, you know, in the first year, we did a, a good job of getting the, the pipeline full of resumes. Okay, now you're good. You've hired the people you need. Now, instead of hiring 50 people a year, you're hiring five people a year. And those are coming in organically through referrals, through social media. You don't need us to do that anymore. So where do we, what, what's the next stage? And it's, it's company growth. As the company grows, your PR program grows and evolves as well. You change from uh, the growth mode to a, to a, uh, a building mode, and then you get to a mature company mode. And whereas you might have a company in its early stages where the CEO wants to be a thought leader, but isn't really, five years later when they've got a lot more experience in the industry, now all of a sudden they are an expert in the field. And now all of a sudden they're one of the leaders in the field and they can be someone who can talk about their leading practices, talk about their industry to other, either other companies coming up or other companies in the field. Now, Frank, t- tell me, you know, as somebody who is working with PR and using this PR you know, on a, 
on an ongoing basis. How does this figure into your your business plan and your strategy? So it's it's an important part of our overall strategy for getting our brand out and for building our client base. So as Mitch mentions, we do it, we do an annual planning every year and we allocate a certain amount of dollars towards this program. What I rely on Mitch on to do though as a as a growing company, my time is distracted constantly between client demands, internal demands. And so Mitch is the one making sure that we stay on course with our plan. So he'll be the one hounding me, texting me, uh, using social media, Skype, smoke signals, whatever he can to get my attention. Say, Frank, we had a commitment that we were going to make this happen. We need to drive this to completion. Mm. And so really, in a lot of ways, I don't look at Mitch just as my vendor. He's my business partner. And he is there making sure that we together are achieving our objectives. And what's really interesting as a firm, each market will use their own PR organization to target it. Mitch um, consistently gets more media. This is each office in your... Within UHY. Okay, good. Um, Mitch consistently gets more media attention from the effort that he puts in compared to all the other markets. And I think that a lot of that goes back to the relationships he's talking about with the reporters. And what he's done is he's passed those relationships on to me. So not only am I doing the interview for that reporter, I then, he works to make sure that I'm establishing a relationship with that reporter so that when there's a story idea, that reporter's either asking for me or asking for somebody from my organization, or Mitch is like, well, call Frank. He'll be able to help you with that. And so it's, it's kind of building the overall presence within both the market from our business, but our presence within the, uh, in, in the media. Mm-hmm. And then do you have like a, a larger strategy for the, the business into which this fits? Like, do you do an annual planning process for the whole business, not just for your, your marketing or for your PR? I really focus, so because it's consulting and it's so changing so uh, dynamically, it's very hard to predict three, six months out where the market is going to be taking you, what types of client mix that you're going to have. So our business planning tends to be much more fluid with long-term objectives, but the actual tactical execution plans are done much more on a quarterly basis, Mm. where our annual PR plan tends to be more on an annual basis because some of the things that we want to do take time to get ramped up. So just like in any business, we have long-term, short-term, and medium goals. A lot of our efforts around PR are probably medium to long-term with some you know, immediate actions. But on the business side, it's much more shorter-term and mid-term to be able to grow. If we are a much larger, larger organization or more mature organization, then it might be a longer planning cycle for uh, our business. Great. But, you know, one of the interesting things is, and this is probably is a function of how long we work together, is we're, we're very open with each other. You know, if something is not working the way I think it should be working, then we have that conversation. If Frank thinks that we can focus our efforts in a better way, we have that conversation. And it's, it's not a, you know, I'm going to fire your butt if you don't do better. It's, well, let's, let's figure out a way to, to make this work better. And that's the best way to work for, for any CEO to work with their PR agency, their PR internal or external, is to be open and honest with them. Say, how do, how do we achieve the goals? And it's, it's got to be an understanding of, of how the process works. And for, for a lot of companies, the CEO either doesn't want to have a good knowledge of it or doesn't have time for it, and they delegate that to somewhere else, someone else, and that's fine. But I think the CEO's got to have at least some knowledge of what's ex- what the expectations are, what's well, realistic. One, yeah, so one question I was going to ask you about, especially with regard to PR, is how do you go about setting realistic expectations? Because... Um, a lot of people's experience with PR is you you throw money and then, you know, hope that something, you get something and then maybe you do get something or you don't get something. And there's kind of, you know, 
not a lot of accountability or not as much accountability with other mar other parts of the marketing mix. So we try to measure, and public relations is one of those one of those uh, <clears throat> disciplines where it's sometimes easy to measure direct results. You can see, okay, we did this public relations campaign, and ticket sales for this event did this. And if it's in a vacuum, then you know that it's particularly attributable to, to public relations. But most companies have a mix of marketing going on. They have advertising, they have trade shows, they have media relations, public relations, social media. So you can't always attribute it directly to one. And that goes back to what we talked about, about how marketing is, is you touch people multiple times to, to achieve that. So you can't always look and say, did PR do this or this or this? Sometimes you get the you get good you get feedback directly. A client will say or a prospect will say, "I'm calling you because." We always encourage our clients to ask that question: "What brought you to us? How did you hear about us?" And sometimes that happens, and sometimes it doesn't. If and we we really push that because that helps us understand where our tactics are being effective, and helps the client understand whether their public relations is being effective and bringing in prospective clients or not, and it helps you adapt. You know, we talked about the uh, the social media we were doing for Cardlytics. Uh, you know, we started a couple of weeks ago hitting six different social media platforms, realized that two of them were really working better than the others, so we refocused our efforts on those two that seemed to be really having the impact. So that's a microcosm. You do that with your PR program as a whole. Always have to be looking at it. You always have to be adapting. Right. And Frank, Mitch mentioned a little bit about what he, he thinks makes uh, this relationship work. Talk to me about what you think has made your relationship with Mitch so um, productive and fruitful. Well, I, I think part of it is he hit it as um, there is that open dialogue. So candidly, um, Mitch is sometimes the, a pain in the butt because he knows that we have to get something done. And he is on, he's relentless in making sure that we get it done. And so I mean that in the best possible way. And honestly, when I'm not doing my part, when I don't have the time to do my part, I'm as worried about losing him as my PR firm as much as probably he's worried about me losing him, losing me as a client. And it makes the relationship a partnership. We both want to make sure we're both successful. We won't, both want to make sure we do what we need to do. And so the fact that he can call me out and call me at home on a Thursday night at 9 o'clock and go, Frank, you're behind. We have to get this done and know that I'm going to support him in it. That works. And the fact that he's not afraid to do that works. And the fact that I can tell him I like or don't like it, it works. So I, never, I don't see this as a vendor client relationship. Again, it's a true partnership. I'm helping his company. He's helping mine. Great, 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 great. Well, um, I would love it if you guys would just share with us and share with listeners if there's anything other than your wonderful article that's about to come out um, that's new. <laughs> Yet that, untitled. Yeah. Um, and exciting in your practices uh, that you think listeners would be interested in. Mitch? Oh, exciting things. Um, let's see. Well, we are... Uh, we just we're, we're signing a, a new client uh, this week, uh, which I think is going to be really interesting. It's a Turner Construction, which is a, a big construction company here in town, and uh, we're excited to be working with them. I think that industry is really taking a, an upturn, so we, there's some great things going on there that we hope to be working with them on. They do a, a huge amount of work in the community in terms of service and community community relations. So there's a lot of great things they do here at Atlanta. They've got their Pete the Town Blue effort coming up on October 3rd. We'll be doing some service projects around Atlanta. So we'll be, we'll be working with them on, on that. In fact, I've got a call with them this afternoon to get all the details of that. So that's, that's kind of the fun thing I've got going on this week. Right. What about you, Frank? 
Well, there's there's several things. We recently moved into new office space um, in January. We moved from the Queen Building to the King Building. Short move, but we tripled our office space, and we have a training facility there now. And one of the things we used to do, um, and we put it on hiatus, we used to do an event every quarter with Home Depot where we do continuing education credits uh, for the CPA community. And one of the things we wanted to do was to have more intimate forums, and so we're going to be launching those soon. We call it our Financial Leader Seminar with our first event launching here in the fourth quarter. Um, when we look at our client, some of the things that we're working on is a lot is around shared services, um, helping companies that are either um, created a shared service center, but maybe it's not operating as optimally as they like, or they're looking to um, insource or outsource one of their departments on how we can help make sure they have the best processes possible. And I think one of the big differentiators that we've um, really launched over the last two years that's really taking a stronghold in the marketplace is that consultants in a lot of t- ways um, are oftentimes viewed as a negative by clients. We'll oftentimes go into a client and they'll say, well, I don't like consultants. And all my response will be, well, let me guess why. You know, we come in, we stay forever. There's no visibility into what we're doing. You get scope changes in the cost increase. And they're like, yes, that's exactly why we don't like consultants. So to address that, we've decided that we are going to become the best at project managing engagements and allow our clients complete visibility into the projects real time. So now when we do a project, the project plan is created through an online tool and the clients can log in whenever they want and see real-time status of their projects um, with notes and comments. My team is required to enter their time daily um, into the system, so there's no guessing. And it's really helping build a strong relationship with our clients. It's helping keep everybody accountable, both from the client and the consultant side, and our projects being done on time and on budget. So I think that's one of the key differentiators right now across all of our service lines that is taking a stronghold in the marketplace. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful show. It's been great having you guys. Thank, thank you very you much. It was thank great you. to be here. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.